0: This morning, right? You feel that, Sister Linda? We always call him that, but he's a he, right? We'll be talking to you this morning about freedom. Are we good to go on the podcast? Speaking this morning about freedom. Mankind was created. I'm talking when I say mankind, I mean men and women, right? Mankind was created to be free. Everybody knows that, right? Adam and Eve were created, they were made in the state of a sinless perfection. They were perfect when God made them. He scraped them out of the dirt. He breathed the breath of life into them, and they were perfect. They didn't know right from wrong. They didn't know, they didn't know what, what sin was even. And, and so they could glorify God. They, they were sinless and, and, and perfect. So they could glorify God. They could, they could reflect his righteousness on earth. Follow me so far? They can reflect that righteousness. They could enjoy fellowship and communion with God. Every night he came down and walked with them in the cool of the, gar- in the, cool of the evening. Walked with them in the Garden of Eden. Can you, can you imagine that? Being able to walk with God and have fellowship with God? Have communion with God? God feeds you? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine the peace that came in that and the freedom that came with that right there? Their call was to exercise dominion and control over all creation. What freedom that must be. Can you picture this? The same freedom that we have because Jesus came in and restored this thing. Adam and Eve messed it up when they lost our, 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 our authority and our, and our control over everything. But when they walked here, they didn't know about sin. They didn't know about the doubt. They didn't know about the unbelief that we know about. So they walked around. They spoke to worms. They spoke to lions. Yes. Right? They spoke to a zebra. And it would do what they told it to do. Right? Isn't that right? Isn't that, in Genesis 126, God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. You think God can't speak to a zebra and the zebra go over and do what God tells him to do? He made man just like him. And then he said, and let's give him dominion over everything on the earth. In 126, he said, let's give him dominion. So can you picture this? When Adam and Eve walked the earth, they had authority. They had dominion over everything. They ruled this place. They ran this place. They didn't have doubt, fear, and unbelief. The things that we have that came through sin, they didn't have any of that stuff. So it worked perfectly and flawlessly just the way that God designed it to work. Amen. Are you following me? Can you imagine the freedom in that? Can you imagine how free they were? They went to bed where they wanted to go to bed. They, they, they laid down where they wanted to. They got up where they wanted to. They ate what they wanted to. Everything but the tree of life, or the, the, tree, the tree of knowledge, I should say. So their call was to exercise that, that over all the creation. And, and what freedom they must have had here living on this earth at that time. But Adam and Eve have one test of loyalty. God gave them one command, one command, not to eat of the tree of knowledge. If you're, if you're taking notes today, it's in Genesis 2.17. Do not eat of the tree of knowledge. God warned them clearly. If you eat of this tree right here, if your disobedience will result in your death, it will lead to your death. If you eat of this tree, you, you shall sur- surely die, the King James translation says, doesn't it? Some of you scholars, you shall surely die. They didn't see a physical death. The decay of the body is not a natural process. We weren't created to die. Adam and Eve would have still been walking the earth, still talking today, not looking like old people. Right? Because our bodies are made to, made to regenerate themselves. Our bodies regenerate all the cells in your body every. Every so many hours or so many days, whatever it is, I'm not a scientist, but but your body regenerates itself. It's only through that curse of sin that your body mutates, kind of. Sometimes every every time, not sometimes, mutates every time it rejuvenates those cells. Every time it renews itself, they're off just a little bit. Does that make sense? So things start to happen with our, with our internals and, and, and our skin gets wrinkled and our hair falls out and things mutate just a little bit every time, every time that your body goes through that process. So, so it entered the human experience, death and that mutation and those things entered the human experience as the curse upon God, God's curse upon sin is when that entered. God didn't design us to die. God didn't design it, look at Moses, how old was he? And it says his, his eyes hadn't failed him yet. His strength hadn't left him yet. God didn't design us to fall apart like we do, right, with age. He didn't. He didn't design us to die. So that was because of God's curse upon sin. It was because of what man did wrong that all those things entered the picture, entered the human experience. So, so could we say that cancer and sickness and disease and death and age and wrinkles are all because of sin, all because of disobedience to God? Right? That's what it, that's what it truly is, is. this Because before they ate of the tree of knowledge, they had no idea what sin was. So it was because of their disobedience to God. Is that right? You all agree with me? Yeah. This means yes, yes, preacher. I'm a participatory preacher. I'm going to need your help a little bit today. Um, Satan urged, even knowing this right here, Satan urged Eve to learn through trial and error. Was it not? God said, don't do this. You surely shall die. And, and, and the serpent said, surely you won't die. Surely you shall not die. God's not going to kill you. It's going to make you like him. So he urged her through a lie. It was a lie. that had, It had enough truth mixed into it to make it seem right, but it was a lie with the promise of greater good, an implied promise of greater good. You'll be like God. That's what he said to her, isn't it? You'll be just like God. You'll understand good from evil. She didn't understand that that was bad to know good from evil because in her current state, she, there was no sin. She was perfect. The enemy still works the same way with an implied promise of greater good. He tells us lies all the time, and he implies that it's going to be better for us. He implies that the grass is going to be greener on the other side. It's going to be better over there if we go over there. He implies these things all the time, but he's a liar. And he's the father of all lies. Are you promise me? Are are you are you following me? I mean to say, He he did it through a promise. Their sin was no accident, though. It wasn't an accident. It wasn't that they that they accidentally fell in the in the in the tree of knowledge or tree of knowledge hit him in the mouth and some of it got in their mouth, she picked the fruit up, whatever it was, people like to say it's an apple, but whatever it was, she picked it up and took a bite, and then when Adam got home from whatever he was doing, he took a bite, it was willing, it was willing consent, they forfeited their freedom because of a lie, they gave their freedom up, are you getting a picture of this today, this looks just like us, doesn't it? they gave their freedom up because of a lie because of a promise of greater good the bible dictionary the bible dictionary gives the, this definition for freedom it says the absence of slavery now you have to understand that slavery was rampant in about 9 AD when 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 this part of the bible was written when john was writing and, and what we're gonna be in today was Corinthians and John when Paul and John walked the earth was right after the, the, the when A D had just started, right? So slavery was rampant and I'm gonna get into that a little bit too with you, but but this is so when they talk about slavery, they're they're speaking to what was going on in their day. Are you following me? Does that make sense? So freedom is the absence of slavery, the ability to do and go as one desires. It could be physical or spiritual. It's Bible dictionary definition. It's not my definition. It's from, it's from the book. We think, we think we're free because we live in the land of the free, though. You follow me? We do this a lot. We think we're free because we live in the land of free. We have freedom of speech. We have the right to bear arms. We have all these rights. We can meet in this church today, and we can have church service, and we can bask in the, bask in the presence of the Lord, and no one tells us we can't. Because we live in this free country, so we consider ourselves free. When I lived in the world, I did whatever I thought I was big enough to do. Whatever I felt like I was big enough to do. Are you following me? I said some things that I probably shouldn't have said. I went to places I probably shouldn't have went. I did some things I probably shouldn't have did. Some of you all lived like this, right? But I didn't have peace. I was fooled. I was deceived by that promise of greater good. I thought I was having a good time, but I didn't have peace in it. With freedom, true freedom comes peace. If you got peace, you got some freedom. Right? If you've got true freedom, you're gonna have peace with it. If you don't have peace, when when I lived in the world, I, I Brenda, when I first got with Brenda, I would wake up, she'd wake me up and she'd wake me up from across the room. Because I'd wake up and draw back and have I would be ready. When even in my sleep, I was I was paranoid in my sleep even, and, and I would be looking over my shoulder all the time. If I saw a cop, I'd go 25 miles to drive around if I knew there was a cop sitting down there on the road. Are you following me? I didn't have peace. I had freedom. I thought to do whatever I wanted to do, but I didn't have peace in what I was doing. Some of you, I see a lot of head shaking. A lot of y'all can relate to this. Some of y'all might be on a smaller scale, but you know what I'm talking about. You think you're doing something good for yourself, or, or however, your 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 perspective affects your, I have much more freedom now, let me tell you this, more freedom now that I live for God than I ever have in the world. Now if I see a cop, I'll pull him over and ask him to to follow me forgiven. (laughs) Your perspective affects your view. Your perspective affects your opinion of freedom. Both of those things, your view and your opinion of freedom. And I got this this week when I was sitting right here. It was Wednesday. I was sitting right here in this chair, and I was praying to God. And I was looking around, and I and, and I noticed these things. And, and a lot of people think that people when they're on the platform or the pastor, they're just really, they're just, they got it going on. They're they're just in the holiest of holies. And people put people on the platform or on a pedestal a lot of times. But but when you're sitting back here, you see, and you're trying to look out, there's obstructions. You got this in the way and you got this in the way and you can't really see things all the time. So you have, you have obstacles in the way still, even on the platform, everyone, no matter where you're sitting at, that's what I'm saying, not just the platform, but no matter where you're sitting at, you have obstacles, you have obstructions that get in your way. Are you following me? We all do. We all do. Let me relate it to you like this. You might be able to get this a little better than this analogy because God gave me this one right afterwards. If there was a man in prison and he was in the hole in the innermost part of the prison, right? He's locked down 23 hours a day or so. A man in that condition right there might get closer to God than a man who's in general population, or a man who's even outside the gate. He's in that hole dreaming of being outside, laying in the fresh cut grass, right? But when he gets out there to where the grass looks greener at, he loses his walk with God so many times, not all the time, but so many times. Are you following me? So, So which one's better? Is it better to be in the hole and be close to God, or is it better to be laying in the grass? Ask yourself that today. Sometimes the grass looks greener on the other side, just like the lie that, that Satan told to Eve. Sometimes we want to hang on to things. When I first came to God, I tried to make it all right to drink. I, I searched and searched through my Bible and tried to find scriptures. But in the end, it comes down to don't be a stumbling block to your brother. That's what broke it for me. Don't be a stumbling block to your brother. If you see me drinking and I'm supposed to be the pastor of this church, then it's going to discount my testimony. You're not going to be sitting in these seats hearing what I got to say. Are you following me? And then it makes it okay for you to go do the same things. And you're a Christian, so it's a vicious cycle. Then everybody that sees you doing it publicly, they see you doing it, and now you're a hypocrite to them. Are you following me? So John eight thirty one through 34 says this. I have a lot of scripture today. Then Jesus said to, to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. If you live by my word, you're a true Christian. That's what he's saying, right? And you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Hold on right there. Who's the truth? Jesus is the truth, right? So Jesus is the one who's going to set you free. And 33 says this. They answered him, "We are Abraham's descendants, and you have never been uh, and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you you will How can you say you will be made free?" Hold on right there one second. Does this look like us? Does that look like us? We think we're free because we live in the land of the free, right? We're the sons, we look at with our natural eyes. We're the sons and daughters of our descendants. Are you following me? So we think that we're free, but what about spiritually? Where are you at spiritually? Are we truly free? Are we just living like I lived when I was in the world? Thinking that I was free, but having no peace. Think about it. 34 says this. Jesus answered them, Most assuredly, I say to you, whosoever commits sin is a slave of sin. A slave. A slave of sin. In John's day, 20% of the people in Rome were were, were slaves. 20%. Think about that number. What if 20% of us today were slaves sitting in the church? Could I get you to to go with me and say that 20% of us are slaves? probably more than 20% are slaves to sin because whoever commits sin is a a slave to that sin, right? The population of slaves was 20%. So slaves in that day, what he was talking about when he wrote this, right? He was talking about what was going on in, in his society. So they were absolute property. They had no rights at all, no legal rights. They didn't even have rights of their own body. Their masters could control their own body, right? Including their privacy. And if they were used as concubine, here's just a fun fact for you. If, if a master owned, used a slave as a concubine, if he went into a slave, the master could no longer belong to the church. But the slave could because they didn't have a say-so in it. That's how much they were property in that day. The masters couldn't join the church. Uh, they, you, you could enter slavery through being captured at war, through, through judicial punishment, or through, through uh, piracy, or through the international slave trade. In that day, slave had no racial, no racial element to it at all. Anybody could become a slave. or you follow me? But if you're a Roman citizen, you, you, if you were considered a citizen, then you had rights. So if you didn't have rights to be a slave, you were no longer considered a citizen. Does that make sense? I need you to understand that part. Are right? there good so, so, so we can be together on this other one? In verse 32, he, he says, the truth, or Jesus, will set you free. So in Christ, we all have freedom. Yes? In Christ, then, wouldn't that mean that we all have citizenship in the kingdom of God? We're not in the—we're in this world, but we're not of this world, right? Does that make sense to you? We're in this world, but not of this world. We're adopted; we're we're God's sons and daughters, adopted into the—we're citizens of of the kingdom of God. We're we're His sons and daughters. Uh, In in nine A.D., families would adopt grown men. Or, or not families, but but people rich. Actually, what it was, it was rich people. If they had, if they were well to do, they would adopt grown men with a family. Poor grown men with a family, so that their family name could carry on. And it was a way that the poor men, the poor man with a family, could climb up the social status because he would inherit, he would inherit a, a goods and, and money and those things, and he would he would be higher in the social status. And in, in, in return, he would change him and his family's name that makes sense? He would change their names to carry on the name of this rich person to be their heir. This was the common custom in that day. So when we're adopted into God's family, into the kingdom of God, we become a citizen of the kingdom of God. Shouldn't we look like him? Shouldn't we carry that onto the earth? Just like what he intended Adam and Eve to be? To show his righteousness off of the earth? It's the picture of us or what we're supposed to be like. When we're adopted, then we're dead to sin. We don't use that same last name anymore. Are you following me? We don't use that same nest. We're we're dead to sin. So if you're saved today sitting here, let me tell you something. You owe sin nothing. You're dead to sin. You don't have to go back there anymore. You don't need to go back there anymore. In fact, if you're thinking about going back there, that could be a sin. If you're coveting going back there, that could be a sin. If you're thinking about how the grass looks greener over there, you might be set. But you owe that place nothing. You don't have to go back there again. You've been set free. Through the blood of Jesus, I figured y'all get excited right there. It's a, it's a picture of, of the baptism, though. When, it, when you baptize someone, it's down with the old, up with the new, brand new creation. The Bible calls you a brand new creation. Romans six sixteen says this: <clears throat> Do you not know that whom you present yourselves to, slaves to obey? Here is that word slaves again. Who you present yourself slaves to obey? Are you are you are that one slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death. What's Romans say? The wages of sin is death, right? What you've earned is death. The wages of sin is of death or of obedience leading to righteousness. So if you're obedient to God's word, and that's say if you follow my word, indeed you're to my disciples. He said, Jesus said this a while ago. So if you're, if you're, if you're following after his word, then you're going you're gonna to become righteous. We're being perfected. We're being made whole, Right? But we've already been adopted. You've already been adopted. You're already a citizen of the kingdom of God. Are you following me? As long as we don't go back to the sin and lose our salvation. We can mess our salvation up. If you think that's not true, there's a scripture in the Bible that says, for he that endures to the end, the same shall be saved. Now, if you've got to endure to the end to be saved, doesn't that mean you can mess it up once you've got it? Because without any endurance, you wouldn't, need to, you, you wouldn't make, need to make it to the end. Does that make sense? Paul talks about it as a race. So when we sin, we think we're free. But sin, so many times, once, we became, once we've came to Jesus, we want to keep that sin secret. Right? If you're sitting in the church today and you're, and you're committing sins and you're living in sin, you want to keep it a secret. You don't want the people around you to know it. So along with that comes shame and guilt and doesn't that lead to bondage? So if you're dabbling in sin, tell me how free you are. We're not free at all. We're not free at all. So it's either freedom or bondage, right? You choose. It's your choice. Deuteronomy thirty nineteen. She doesn't have it back there, but Deuteronomy 30. Oh, do you have it back there? There we go. I call heaven and earth as a witness against you today that you may, that, that I have set before you, what is it? Life and death, right? Blessings and cursings. Therefore, choose life. He even tells you the answer to it. It's a multiple choice question, A or B. Take A. Here's the right answer right here. Take this one right here. If you don't, you're going to live in bondage. If you take the other one, you're going to live in freedom, right? Choose life so that you can live in freedom. I I, I chose the scripture today because it says that both you and your descendants may live. This affects not only you. It affects the people around you. It affects your kids, it affects your grandkids, it affects your, 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 your classmates at school, it affects people for generations is what I'm getting at here. Generations, what we do here, what we choose to do in this lifetime can affect, gener- my great-great-great-grandkids could be affected because of what we're doing here. Does that make sense to you? So you choose today. You can have freedom and peace or death and bondage. The wages of sin is death. Choose life for you and your children. 1 Corinthians 8, 9, and 10 says this. <clears throat> but beware lest somehow this liberty, what's liberty? Freedom, freedom right? But beware lest somehow this of yours become a stumbling block to those who are weak. Well, how can my freedom become a stumbling block, you ask? I'm glad you asked. Because the next verse says this. For if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple, will not the consequence of him who is weak be emboldened to eat those things offering to idols? Does that make sense to y'all? Let me break this down for you. When the people who aren't saved see the people who are Christians doing the things that they're not supposed to be doing, that they know better than, then they're going to think, since the Christian guy is doing it, since the preacher down there is doing it, then it's all good for me too. But he says, don't let, don't let those freedoms become a stumbling block for those ones around you. Do you think their blood might be on our hands? If we knowingly are stepping out into sin and we're, and we're, we're putting the shackles of bondage on ourselves, and through doing that, we're putting them on someone else. When you're standing there at that great white throne judgment, do you think that might come up? I don't want to be guilty of that. I don't think anybody wants to be guilty of that. So we have to be careful not to be a stumbling block to those around us. 1 Corinthians 10 12 says this. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he falls. So that word there, take heed again. This put a picture in my mind of when I'm walking down the road with grace, walking in a parking lot or wherever. I can have grace by the hand, and if grace falls, what happens? I got her by the hand. You see, it's it's hard to fall down when God has your hand. It's hard to fall back to sin when you got God right by the hand. When you're dependent on God for everything, anything and everything, when you're dependent on him and he's got you right by the hand, you're kind of like that little toddler, my little five-year-old. It's hard for her to fall down because her arms are not that long and I can grab her and hold her up. I can keep her from skinning her knee. She might trip anyway, but I can hold her up. Are you following me? Take heed if you think you can do it on your own. You need God. I need God. But if Grace feels like she's not free enough, sometimes you can ask her grandpa. She'll refuse to hold her hand. She'll jerk away. She wants to cross the parking lot on her own. Yeah. She doesn't have sense enough to know yet that there's cars going to be going behind the cars and things, yeah. the parked cars. There's going to be cars driving around, and if she walks out there, it could get her killed or get her hurt because she's trying to be free on her own. But she needs that. Does that paint a good picture for you today? I thought that was really good. We need God in that way. We're talking about your salvation here or, or your, your freedom here what we think is, causes us to be free sometimes really causes us to be in bondage. Are you seeing that today? Galatians 5, 1 and 13. Not 1 through 13, but 1 and 13. Stand fast, therefore, in liberty, freedom, by which Christ has made us. Who made us free? Christ made us free. It's not by anything that you did. You didn't deserve it. It was only by his unmerited favor, right? By his grace. That was it. Because Christ went and died on a cross. He made us free. And do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Now, if you were once saved, always saved, you couldn't be entangled again, right? I'm not preaching against that doctrine today, but I'm just saying, sometimes as Christians, we get into Christianity and we think that we're good enough and we've arrived. But let me tell you, you haven't, because he's saying right here, do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. So if he's telling us not to be entangled again in the yoke of bondage, doesn't that mean it's possible to be? He wouldn't have said, don't do it if it wasn't possible to do it. Church, we've got to guard ourselves against it. We've got to guard ourselves against sin, against sin. We've got to make sure that we're not put in bonds. We can't be God's ambassadors if we're all tied up. It doesn't work that way. Christ made us free. He set set us free to serve God. Here's another scripture that backs that up. James said, submit and resist. I think it was in James 5, 7. He says, resist the devil, submit to God, and he will flee. The devil will flee. I I said that backwards. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Nothing is worth more than your salvation or or your freedom. It's your freedom that we're talking about. Nothing's worth more than your freedom. Katie put it to us like this. I wish she was up here today. She'd be so proud I remember this. Me and Brenda went on a diet, and we were trying to lose weight, and, and Katie said, nothing tastes as good as being skinny feels. That was really good, and it stuck with me. None of that sin's going to be really as good as being right with God feels, as being right with God is, as being free, truly free, where you have peace with it. Nothing, none of those things that looks greener on the other side, none of those things are going to be as good as that freedom that you have in God, that freedom that, that, that Christ paid for when he set us free. And 13 says this. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Freedom, right? You've been called. How were you called? How were you called? You were given the measure of faith, right? You were called to be in his church. And if you say you're saved, if you even say that you believe in God, you have been called. Because man doesn't have the words to convince you that God is real. Without the Holy Ghost and fire convincing you, I might as well be telling you about the Easter Bunny today. Are you following me? So you've been called. You've been called to what, though? When he gave you that measure of faith, you were called to what? Freedom. Freedom. Liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. Same thing he was talking about a while ago. Don't use this freedom you have to satisfy yourself. Don't use that for that. But through love, serve one another. Use your freedom to serve one another. Use your freedom to tell people what God's done for you so they may be set free. Isn't that what our testimony's for? With fallen but forgiven coming up, isn't that what our testimony's for? To get people in here who don't know God. We should be doing this in our everyday life. Tell them everything that he's done for us. Tell them how great he is. Tell them how free that, that I am. Even when bad things happen, I'm still free. That's where our joy comes from. That's where our peace comes from. Because when bad things happen in the world, you can react like the world does. Or you can come out from among them and be ye separate. You can be in this world, but not of this world. I'm not down and I'm not depressed because I'm I'm from the kingdom of God. Right? My citizenship is from the kingdom of God. Not from Missouri. Not from the world. My eternity is there. What freedom that is. What freedom that is. Last page of notes. I'm going to finish it right on time for you, baby. Freedom, our freedom is in God then. Wouldn't that that mean that? It's in God because of God. Because he sent his son. Because he created us anyway. He created us to be this way. He created us just like Adam and Eve. He created us to be free. He created us to have dominion. Jesus came back and took it back from the enemy and gave it back to us. And God gave it, we have it again. He created us to be that way in his likeness. Through Christ though. Christ paid for that freedom. He prayed for the freedom all the way. So many times, church, we settle. He's the way, the truth, and the life. But so many times we settle. We come into church, and we get cleaned up some, and he takes drugs, he takes addiction, he takes big sins out of our life, but then he puts depression on us. You follow me? Or he'll put something, it doesn't have to be depression, you fill in the blank. He'll put something lesser on you, and you're satisfied with that. Well, I'm not an addict anymore, I'm just a little depressed. Praise God, hallelujah, isn't that good? Jesus didn't pay for that. Jesus paid for the whole thing. He paid for your total freedom to be free from all sin, to be free from all sickness, to be free from all plagues. He paid for it all the way, church, and we should be living in that freedom. We dabble in things, though, and we all do it. We all dabble in things from time to time, whether it's in your mind or whether it's in your actions. God said if you thought about it, you're as good as done it. Jesus said that, didn't he? talking about your salvation today is it worth your salvation is that sin that grass on the other side is it worth your salvation is it worth your eternity what here on this earth are you going to trade in for the next 20 years that's better than eternity with God in heaven on streets of gold think about it he will set you free if you choose to bring it to the altar today and give it to him he will set you free today guaranteed he wants to set you free today You think he doesn't want you to have this freedom? He sent his son here to die the most horrific, horrible, painful death that man could even muster up so you could have it. He wants you to have it. He will set you free today. There's no shame in falling down. There's no shame at all in falling down. Maybe you need to set free again. That's what I'm getting at. Maybe you've been set free before, but you've messed up. You've fallen. You've stumbled. You jerked away from him and you thought, I got this. He's cleaning me up. Now I got this on my own. I can be a Christian. I can be a good person. I got this. I'm there. I've arrived. I'm good enough. I'm going to go to church two, three times a week, and we're going to call it good at that. But in that, you've slipped up. You fell down. There's no there's there's no shame in falling down. There's no shame at all in falling down. The shame is if you don't get back up, if you don't do something about it. God loves it when you repent. He'd love nothing. For, you say you don't know what I've done, preacher. You don't know how bad I am. God would love nothing more for you to bring it to the altar today and give it to him. Don't worry about what people are thinking. He loves it when you repent. And you're going to sit right there in that chair and you're going to worry about what the person next to you is thinking about you. Oh, they're going to think I'm some big sinner or something. Who cares what they think? What about what God thinks? God knows what's going on in your life. God knows what's been plaguing you. He knows what's been ailing you. He knows. He knows what you've been thinking about. He knows what you've been indulging in. What you've been giving into. He knows what got you bound. He knows right where you're at. Would you come today and give it to him? Come to the altar today and give it to him. God doesn't give me these messages for no, nothing. This is speaking to somebody in here. Come to the altar today and give it to him. Leave it behind you. That baggage, those chains, if you come to this altar today, he would love to set you free. Come down here. Lay it down. And don't pick it up and take it with you when you go back to your seat. Leave it right here. Leave it right here at the altar. Anybody? Any takers? Come on to the front, Carrie. Come on, sis. If you all be honest with yourselves, about half of you ought to run down here. And I'm not saying that because I know your business. I'm just saying that we're all the same, and I've already had to repent because of this. We're all the same. So we all should be repenting because we all slip up. We all all step out. Spiritually speaking, I'm talking about we all mess up. Let's get the bondage off this church. What's holding this church back? It's not God's fault, is it? It's not God's fault that we're not growing by leaps and bounds spiritually. It's us. The ball's in our court. It's time to break the bondage. Brother Andy, would you play some song, music quietly? It's time to break the bondage, church. Maybe you're here today and you don't know God is your personal Savior. Maybe you've never been saved. Can I get your head bowed this time? Saints, pray with me. Maybe you've never been saved. Maybe you'd like to make that commitment today. Could I see your hand? I won't call you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. We'll pray all together. I'd just like to know if there's anybody that wants to do that. Anybody like to make that commitment today? Could I see your hand? Thank you for the hand. Would there be anybody else? Anybody else would like to make it right with God today? Like to have those chains of bondage broken off your life once and for all? Anybody else? Thank you for the hand. Thank you for the hand. There's three. Would there be anybody else? Thank you, Lord. We praise you, Daddy. Anybody could say that I've known God before. But, Pastor, I've slipped up a little bit. I've been thinking the wrong thoughts. I've been doing wrong things. I've been going to wrong places. I've been hanging out with the wrong people. Maybe I've just overstepped my bounds. Maybe I've went past where the Spirit told me to stop at. If that's you today, could I see your hand? All right, we're going to carry on here. Can we all do the prayer together? Father, I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. I know that your Son, Jesus, died on a cross for my sin. I know that you're him from the dead. I know he's coming back for me someday. Please live in my heart. Lead me and guide me the rest of my days. In Jesus' name I pray this. Amen. Thank you, Lord. We praise you, Father God. If you made a new commitment with God, even if you didn't raise your hand, if you didn't come to the altar, if you made a new commitment with God today, take that commitment seriously. To repent doesn't mean you come down here and say what you did and leave and keep, continue carrying on what you were doing. To repent means you turn away from that thing. For him, you all hear this all the time, I want to drive this into your head. For him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Just like Adam and Eve. When they didn't know any better, they weren't sinning because they were naked. But once they found out that they weren't supposed to be naked, then it was sin for them, was it not? Because they hid from God. It's the same thing for you, for me. If there's something you know you're doing wrong, stop it. Turn away from it. Press into God in that area. Give that area to to God. He'll take care of you there. I guarantee you He'll take care of you there. He'll help you through it. Can we go ahead and close in prayer? You can shut it down, brother. Can we go ahead and close in prayer? Father, we thank you for this day, Lord. We love you, Daddy, and we just praise your mighty name, Lord. I pray that you would, you would touch your people today, Lord. Touch me, Father God. Lord, set a fire in us today, Father. Lord, I pray that you would help us to break out of bondage, Father God. If there's someone here that didn't break out of bondage, Lord, that didn't give it to you today, Father God, I pray that you would continue to convince them, Lord. Don't give them rest, Father God, until they turn whatever that bondage is, whatever has them bound, Lord, over to you, Father. Lord, I pray that you would, you would break the chains of bondage break the chains of addiction out of this church, Lord, out of this church body, Father God, that we could just come together and love one each other, Lord, and be a spiritual powerhouse, Lord, for you, Father, not for us, Lord, not for us to gain glory Daddy, but for you, Dad, for you to have your will, Lord, to take this town back, take this town back, Lord, take our families back out of the grasp of the enemy, Lord, to take our families back out of bondage, Father, Lord, through us, Dad, because they've seen how you broke the chains off of us, Lord, I thank you for this, Dad, and I praise you for this, Lord. I pray that you would keep us safe, Lord, and bring us back here at our next appointed time, Daddy. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. Amen.